1: Happy Saturday, everybody. Today is December 12th, 2020, and we have a Saturday edition podcast today. And the reason being is because Keegan and I recorded two podcasts the other day coming home from Kansas, and today's podcast is all about his recent trip to Colorado for a mule deer. And that mule deer just happened to have a radio collar on it. This is a crazy story, a lot of cool information in this one about this colored mule deer, so you might want to stick around till the end. Welcome to the Fall Podcast. I am your host, Aaron Blasey, and today is episode 138. And it's another truck edition. Keegan and I are still traveling home from Kansas gun camp. Um, and yeah, this is gonna be a little different than the one that we just recorded about Kansas, you know, our Kansas gun camp. That sounds weird. Gun deer camp. Gun deer camp. Deer camp. Deer camp. So we're on the road. You probably hear a little extra noise. But I felt like this is a story that we need to get out there because it's just a cool story. Keegan went on a trip last, well, in November, mm-hmm. early November, and killed a mule deer in Colorado that had a radio collar. Mm-hmm. And it's really cool. It's a, it's a really unique story. So to start it off, I want to say... You know, first of all, like ask ask you the question, like how did this trip come about? Because it's a pretty unique situation with you and your mom. Mm -hmm. Um, So, kind of get into the weeds about like how the trip came about and basically why your mom was going on it or why your mom wanted you to go on it.
2: Yep, yep. Uh, So, very last minute trip for me. Um, It was a trip that my mom had planned on going on for almost two years now. Uh, last year had something come up with family where at the last second they couldn't go so they pushed it back to this year and then this year uh, was a trip that my stepdad ultimately ended up not being able to to go on so my mom still wanted to go and she asked me and I initially I told her there was no way that it was gonna work because
1: just happening in the rut you know and what we do yeah, like
2: yep I thought, absolutely no way with the timing of it. Um, and then things kind of just fell into place where, you know, you and Casey were actually going to be in Colorado that same exact time. And then in Nebraska um, and everybody else was kind of doing their own thing or whatever. So yep. it just, like, things just fell into place. You freed where, up. You could yeah. you could go. I, I freed up. I could go. I asked Casey kind of explained to him everything and he's like hey make it happen so very fortunate that you know things just fell into place for this one so yeah um so yeah it was a trip with me and my mom um she had a bull tag uh i was not eligible to pick up a bull tag because i was already out there for archery season and the way that Colorado does it is they have different classes or a series of tags where it's a, B and C. And essentially a is like, you know, you're given one opportunity a year to like, you can hold one bull tag. Yep. Right. And the fact that I held my opportunity because I had an either sex tag for archery was my opportunity or my bull tag. Okay. So no longer eligible to hunt a bull um, I got lucky and they still had a landowner voucher tag at this outfitter. I guess uh, if I didn't say that already, big caveat is like this was a outfitter guided hunt, first one I've ever been on. put it out there right away. don't care. Um, <laughs> it was <laughs> it was fun and it was uh, a triple of lifetime with my mom so
1: well, and that, that's the unique part about it for me is that, you know, a lot of people listen to this, is like, oh, he's going with his mom. Like, that's kind of different. Like, mm-hmm. you, your mom was kind of your hunting buddy, you know, and still is. Like, yep. a lot of people probably listen to this, probably their mom probably never hunted or never really showed much interest. So it's different that you're going with your mom, which I think is really unique
2: yep. in that sense. Yep. My mom is, Uh. I mean, I...
1: She's a diehard. <laughs> she's a
2: diehard. I bra- I probably brag her up to you guys way too much, but she... She's a badass. She, you know, archery hunts, gun hunts. She does her own food plots, cuts her own trails, freaking runs her own cameras. You know, I said to you before, the only thing she doesn't really like to do that I help her with is hang and move tree stands. She just doesn't like to climb a tree and hold on to all the weight. And, yep. you know, that, whatever. My mom's just a little lady. So, um, I'm going to, I'm going to get her a couple millenniums this year where all she has to do is hang that bracket, and yep. drop the stand down in there and then she'll be good to, she, then she won't even need me anymore.
1: There you go. <laughs> just, just working your, well, working yourself out of a job. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah.
1: So you guys are heading out second week in November. Was that what it was? Or first week in November? It was
2: the 6th through the 12th is what our dates were. Okay. So in- third season of Rifle.
1: Okay, I think is what it was. So, are the mule deer rutting at that time? Is it a lot like the whitetail rut?
2: They so they are just beginning, or at least where where we were, they were just beginning to kind of get into it. Okay. Bucks were like nudging does; they are starting to starting to kind of spar with one another a little bit. So, I think typically in Colorado, the mule deer rut is just a little bit later than like a a whitetail rut would be. Usually they're mid to late November, sometimes early December. I gotcha.
1: But the elk rut is not happening anymore, right? So the elk were more kind of on that bed-to-food pattern back, Yep. you know, probably herding back up, you know, a little bit. Big time herding up,
2: yep. So, yeah, I mean, the elk rut happens September, end of September. Um, And then actually the, uh, I guess a lot of times like fourth season – rifle i think it is they'll you can get elk in the migration so okay. they're definitely hurting up food and starting to move toward where they're going to be for the winter and then you know ultimately calve and spend the spring before they start heading back to their fall range
1: okay so now when you're hunting you get into camp you and your mom you you know you fly out there you get into camp Mm-hmm. Now, what was the plan? Like, were, did you have a guide and your mom had a guide or were you together? What was, how'd that work?
2: So we had one shared guide um, and that was kind of it. We were getting, you know, mornings are better for elk because they move right as it's getting light out. And then, I mean, kind of similar to a whitetail. Um, and then you think about it too, like when the whitetail rut's going on, you can have activity for most of the day or at least prolonged in the morning and then the evening. So for us, it was like shared guide in the morning. We'd look for elk right away. And then later morning we'd go check for mule deer and then elk again in the
1: evening. Okay.
2: And, uh, so, yeah, I mean, we, we flew in, I met my mom in Denver, got there as light was fading. The one pre prereq w- before you could hunt was you had to shoot your rifle. They wanted to make sure that, you know, you were dialed in ready to go so 100 yards three shots inch and a half high perfect my mom same thing perfect all right you guys are good to hunt tomorrow morning so
1: so then the plan was to go in the morning look for elk and mm-hmm. then if you obviously if you see a meal deer in the time being you could go after them if you want and yep so with all the all the land it's all free range i'm guessing
2: yes all free range the uh outfit itself was i believe twenty three hundred acres, but you know, bordered a bunch of public I think they had access to between thirty and forty five thousand acres wow. of land that you know you could potentially hunt. Yep. Mine being that it was the a, a voucher, the landowner voucher, it had to be shot on the on the property. So okay. that limited at least where you know, like the the first uh evening we went to a spot to go look for elk for my mom and it was on public land. And the guide was like, you know, this is about the time we'll see it. Just a slob of a mule deer because we can't shoot it. So, um, but yep. Bumped up to a bunch of stuff. Uh, the one thing that I made very clear right away to both my mom and the guide, because at, you know, before we even went, my mom was like, you know, they said that your mule deer will likely be the easier one of the two to, to get, and if, you know, we're in there a couple days and and we haven't gotten anything yet, then you and I can split up and you can go hunt for a mule deer and I'll hunt for an elk. And I told her there was not a chance that that was, yep. that that was going to happen. I was like, yep. there's no way I'm going to miss you shooting a
1: once-in-a-lifetime kind of hunt for you, too. Yeah. You know? I was
2: like, I'm not going to miss you shooting an elk, a bull, to go chase mule deer. It's just I said I, I don't care. Not not going to happen. And I told the guy the same thing. Before we even hunted, I just said that bull bull elk tag is number 1 priority. I said I don't care if I don't fill my
1: tag. Yep. So now, was would this have been your mom's first
2: elk? Yes. Okay. Yep. She uh so again, going back to being a badass, uh when I lived out in Colorado, she came out Two different times with me and just like walked along during archery but she has never held a tag so i got you um yeah her first ever western big game hunt
1: so so you get into camp you shoot your guns you're good to go yep you know you get your game plan for the next morning you go out the first morning what happens the first morning
2: first morning we go up into the mountains it's starting to get light out we're glassing um Spotted one cow. That was pretty much it. Things are, as far as elk movement, um, pretty non-existent right away. So, Bud, our guide, Bud was a was a really great guy too. He'd been guiding. I think it was his twentieth, nineteenth or twentieth season. He'd been guiding there since he was like sixteen or seventeen. Um, and he goes, well, I guess we'll go down in the bottom because the way that it works there is like people get different areas right so that not, not everybody's hunting right on top of each other so our area was kind of the bottoms that that day or those two first two days so we start going down to the bottoms where there's all these different meadows and they i think plant it with like hay and different stuff where okay you know they have these fields and so we're we're going to check fields and i bet we saw 200 mule deer that that morning into the evening it was it was crazy i mean just deer everywhere (laughs) um and the very first morning one of the spots that we ended up checking a field that we checked had a really mature buck super tall ton of mass and uh it was him and two other bucks, probably with, like, 30 does in this field, and they just happened to be about 100 yards onto the neighbor's property. So sat there and watched them for half an hour to an hour, kind of moved closer to the fence and then back away from it, and it just never materialized. Um, and then we, you know, went in for lunch. Um, so I'm going
1: to stop you there real quick. So did you guys... Or the guides or anybody know about this collared buck
2: previously? Uh, not until that afternoon okay. after lunch. Um, so we ended up after lunch going on the backside of this mountain. There's this so there's this area where it was kind of a meadow, then a drainage, and then a, a mountain that it all float kind of flowed into. Right. It's it's just like Whitetail anywhere. It was like food. A transition corridor, and then bedding. Okay. Like they bed up on top of the mountain. It's all sagebrush and scrub oak, and you know, just thick nasty stuff. And that drainage was their kind of their travel corridor. So we go there, and uh, we actually end up meeting up with one of the other guides. And because this was like our territory, um, we would have first opportunity at something that showed up. But right. he had been there. And as we, you know, meet up with him, he's like, really good buck, right up on top here, and he's got, he's a collared buck. We, what were
1: you thinking when you said collared buck? Like, I, what do you mean collared
2: buck? Yeah, exactly that. What, what do you mean collared buck? Um, you know, you hear of him or see of him every once in a while, but it's just not like a big something that you see right. all the time. And And again, I don't know what, you know what a, if a guide's saying a really good buck, if they're just trying to pump you up a little bit or whatever, but, um, we never laid eyes on it. Um, and then actually, as we're sitting there have another really good buck that walks out into that bottom meadow and, uh,
1: decision time, decision time (laughs) on day
2: one. Yep. First afternoon. Um, we're sitting there, you know, with our guide and he's like, so, what do you want to do and i'm like man it's it's day one you know i saw the buck earlier in the field that i definitely knew was more impressive um and my bud was like i'll tell you this right now he said this buck is not gonna walk off his field alive <laughs> so i was like okay
1: because um, you had other hunters in camp as well that had opportunities so yeah
2: and there's a guide and two hunters sitting right next to us yeah so i sit there and ponder it and i'm like all right i'm gonna do it and then me being indecisive 20 seconds later i'm like actually no i'm not gonna do it it's day one
1: what made you say no i'm gonna pass on the buck
2: i think just that that it was day one i i always i mean i've told you before on here that like i want to shoot something that gets me really excited yep and the fact after i said yes the fact that i was like second guessing myself was
1: all you needed for you all i like,
2: needed for me to be like no this this isn't right yeah uh-huh. so you know he's like all right and then he was you know about to tell the other guy that we were gonna we were gonna take him and i'm like no i i'm gonna pass i'm, gonna, I'm sorry but i'm gonna wait He's like oh you don't have to tell me sorry it's your hunt So, the cool part about that was then we sat there and, you know, I got to watch, I bet this kid was 16 or 17 with his dad and he hammered him right there in the field. That's cool. And they were pumped, yeah. So, that was really cool. Um, They were both very thankful too, so.
1: So, that happens. Yep. That, you know, you're, you feel... Happy for the kid, and it kind of, yeah, you accept your decision a little more as like a man that made a lot of joy for him and, yep. and his dad, everything. So, take me through the rest of the evening yep. like, what happens?
2: So, the rest of the evening, uh, we head up into the mountains, um, and look for elk, and it is so windy. Um,
1: was it snowing?
2: There was no snow yet it started snowing that night okay but it was super windy and like as it started to get dark out that night the snow began but we don't see any elk until i mean we're we're headed out we're we're back in the vehicle we're headed off the mountain and it's like you know beyond shooting light but it's just what you call today the gray 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 light yeah it was it was like gray light where all of a sudden I'm sitting in the back seat and I just catch a flash and in the headlights, you know, way up ahead. I, I'm like bull. I'm, you just with an elk, you, you know, they're, they're a different color. They have like a, a bull has that thick brown mane, mane yep. and a cow does not really have that. And I did see some antler to him like bull. So that was all that we saw that night. Um, and then the, the plan for the morning was to head back up to the mountains look for elk again like i said they they're more active right in the morning and right in the evening so um yeah i mean we you know went back had dinner talked to my mom and i talked about the day we're like holy crap we saw like 200 some mule deer still saw you know two elk um what a great day what a right. great first day yep um and then we're excited for the morning so uh, was
1: the plan to go back to that same area in the morning and then glass for the elk uh
2: initially we that's kind of what we were hoping but again you know where all the guides have their meeting i guess and this was something i just kind of questioned them on was like how do you guys do all this but they have their meeting so we were we kind of had a spot. Right for the first two days. And it just so happened that whoever had that spot that we went in the night before wasn't going up there in the evening and okayed us to go up into his area. Okay. So he wanted to go up there that next morning, obviously, which, you know, can't fault him for that. Um, So we had to kind of go back to where we were the morning before. And then, you know, the, the following day we would have kind of flipped where it was like, all right, now we're up in the mountains instead of down in the, yep kind of down in the valleys.
1: So when you found out about this collared buck, was it more of like collared buck or broke? Like, it, did you really want that deer?
2: I I wasn't. I mean, I didn't know what he was, right? So collared buck sounded cool because it's a collared buck. Like, <laughs> that's that's something. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. happen much, if at all, ever. You know, once in a lifetime would be a cool story, but at the same time, too, like I. You know, kind of said to Bud that night, I was like, okay, so the other guy's name was Rob. I was like, if Rob said good buck or really good buck, and he kind of stopped me before, he's like, this, it's a really good buck. Okay. So, you know, obviously I wanted to see it, right. um, but I wouldn't say that it was like collared buck or broke, because that morning, that, actually, I think it was probably more fixated on the buck that I saw that morning. He was just so tall, so massive, and just dark, dark horns. Um, but again, wanted to at least see what this buck looked like, knowing that he was on that mountain and had a collar on him. And wouldn't that be cool? Yep. (laughs) So now
1: you come into the second day, mm -hmm. do you see him at all that day?
2: So second day we go look for elk, see one cow Things slow down again. It was just like the first morning. And then Bud is like, so do you want to go look for that collared buck? (laughs) I was like, yeah, let's go um so we head back to that kind of mountain drainage um and we're on the side of the hill looking down at the meadow glassing glassing the drainage and all of a sudden spot a doe and then another doe another doe and you know then through the the sage scrub oak stuff spot the buck and bud's like it's the collared buck and i'm like oh boy (laughs) here we go and i You know looking at him through the through the binos and uh he's walking up the drainage which is straight out in front of us so all i can see is him from the side he's kind of just following these does and see him from the side i'm like wow you know like impressive from the side um and quick story here is the day before we saw a buck that looked really good from the side and all of a sudden he looked at us and his one side all of the tines went straight up off of where like the i get the pedicle or whatever it would be yep. so it, he looked like a spike when he was looking at you okay and then but he was actually had like three points on that side so again being whatever it is a little picky knowing that there were a couple days left and whatever i'm like yeah he's really impressive from the side but i would like to see him just to make sure he's not super narrow or right you know what i mean like i don't i don't know i just wanted i really just wanted him to take a look at us just to solidify the decision and he wouldn't do it wouldn't do it he's coming up the hill 200 250 yards from us following these does and then he's about level with us on the hill and the does start shooting up the hill and that's when he turned and started running up the hill toward them and i caught a glimpse or not a glimpse i caught my first look at him from behind and was like, holy shit, I was like, uh, I looked at bud and my mom was like, yeah, let's do this. (laughs) So,
1: so I mean, pure chaos then like trying to get on him or what?
2: Yeah. I mean, I already, I had my gun. I was, you know, kind of, I wouldn't say I was ready at that moment, which, you know, probably should have been, but I was looking more through the binos, had the gun over my shoulder and then I'm like, yes. Okay. Let's do it. Grab my, my shooting stick got it ready, got my gun on it. And he's, you know, love drunk standing up on the hill with these does, just staring at us 150 yards. I get my gun up and we're facing, um, to the east. And I get my gun up, get into the scope, completely white, come back out, look where he is back into the scope, completely white. I, all I can see is sun flare and, (laughs) <laughs> there's one thing you get those things with your scopes those giant sun flares yeah. you know and you look at them you're like wow these are really stupid
1: I, well i always feel like guys are compensating for something right have, you know yeah
2: well if you're going out west put your damn sun flare on <laughs> i mean like no shit and that's what all the guides said too they're like yeah you gotta bring those when you come out here i didn't know you I know wasn't <laughs> i wasn't in the brochure i wasn't in the brochure but so watching him trying to get to it i'm putting my hand over the scope i'm put i grab my hat i put my hat over the like you know just trying to block the sun and he i come back out of scope and he turns and walks up to the top of the hill where i can't see him anymore through the scrub oak and everything after these does and i'm like oh my gosh just missed my opportunity at you know 150 yards broadside perfect
1: Yep. did he go over the hill
2: it, it sure looked like he did. And we figured even if he didn't, he was going to, that's, that's what the does were doing. So bud right away is like, look, we can, you know, get around the mountain, get around the mountain and sit on the backside and see if he comes over the top and, you know, maybe we'll have a, an opportunity at him. So we boogie around over there and we're sitting there probably between 300, 350 yards from the backside and it's trees, On both sides and on the top and then there's this open sage flat um, right in the middle and we're just sitting there probably for 15 minutes picking it apart picking it apart and all of a sudden my mom goes I think I just saw some movement in the scrub oak on the right and she kind of points us where and sure enough there's something moving and it's a doe and she pops out in the opening and another doe and then my mom goes there he is and like where and she's like look up into the right where that first doe was and sure enough i mean just way bigger body than the does he's moving still chasing or just nudging this one doe and she all of a sudden takes off out into the opening so now all the all three does are out in this sage flat and i'm like oh boy matter of time now so get my bipod ready i you know lay down get ready for the shot and uh He steps out, and I feel like such an idiot for this. (laughs) At the end, I'll explain. I figured out why, but I get into my scope, and it's blurry. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? I mess with my focus, and he's just standing there. And I get it as good as I can get it, but I I will tell you that it was not clear. (laughs) But, you know, I had a 24-power scope, so I can tell that I'm – you know, the crosshairs are still there. It's him. It's, it's in a good spot. I aim at the top of the shoulders and squeeze the trigger 320 yards furthest I've ever shot at anything before. I mean, like it's a long way. It's yeah. It was a long way. It's at a deer. Granted a mule deer is a little bit bigger than a whitetail, but it's a long way and you know, hear the shot ring and you can hear that that thud so i'm like okay hit him soaked it soaked him he takes off to the left and stops in the in the trees again and is kind of facing uphill and you know my motto with a gun or even a bow is like
1: put another one in
2: put another one in him so i rack another one aim this time you know right up at the shoulders again shoot and he immediately just folds right there Dish rags, <laughs> and bud is like oh he's done <laughs> and uh i'm like oh my god thank you and i kind of come out of the scope i'm you know just happy looking and all of a sudden he stands up and i'm like oh my gosh no <laughs> like what what the heck he starts running down the hill to the right oh he's
1: getting wild he's getting
2: wild <laughs> and uh he kind of stops one more time and I shoot again. And this time he kind of crumples like back end sags. And then he goes running into the scrub oak and I can see that that time I definitely hit him in one of the back legs, which now I'm like, man, what the, what the heck Because that one was the closest of the shots. He wasn't moving. I'm, I'm as steady as like steady can be. And, Whatever. And he goes into the trees and Bud's like, He's he's done. Like, we we're just gonna give him a little bit. He's done. I'm like, okay, well <laughs> I hope so. And uh we're sitting there, kinda just waiting, replaying it, giving it time. Um I at this point I brought six shells that day. I have three left for my gun. And uh <laughs> it's funny in the the opening or whatever, when you have like the little get together for the entire camp, the guy that owns it is like your ammunition is going to be your cheapest part of all this. So bring a lot of it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I, you know, I'm like, I, there's no way I'll need six shells in one day. I'll be fine with that. That's three shells plus a complete reload. I'll be all right. So I load my next three shells and Just because I'm like, mom, bring your gun when we go look for um, just in case. (laughs) And we get down to where I shoot him, find blood immediately, start tracking through the scrub oak. There's some good blood. There's some spots where it's just drops. It had snowed that night before. Like I told you, it started snowing. So we had snow. We're following tracks. We're following blood. We get going and Bud's up in front of me a little bit. And all of a sudden, I look up and I see him bedded. 40 yards up in the scrub oak I'm like there he is and all of, just then he's staring at us he jumps up starts running away over to the other side of this hill where then he runs exactly where we had seen him the first time jeez so he goes running gets down into the drainage and I put my gun up on uh there's like a fence a cattle fence so I Put my gun up on the cattle fence, and I'm waiting, waiting, and at this point, he's running away, and he kind of slows down, and he's just about to go behind a pine tree, and I'm like, okay, I got to, I mean, I got to do it, and I squeeze this one off. He drops again.
1: Holy crap. Right
2: behind behind this, like, juniper tree. Bud's like, oh, yeah, he's down. (laughs) but you said that
1: three times already, (laughs) pal. You said
2: that last time. Well, we go walking over there i mean i can't see because he was behind the juniper tree and it's kind of like rolling hills at this point so we go over there get up close again we can't be further than like 80 yards and wrapping around and all of a sudden i see him stand up again and he takes off and goes down another little drainage then back up the other side and just before the juniper trees he stops and he lays back down And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, what the heck is happening? And this time we're standing there. It was, like, perfect where it went from top to bottom to top again where he stopped. I laid down, put my bipod up again. Bud's like, he's 200 yards. And in my head, I'm like, this is exactly where my gun is. Zeroed in. And
1: this is your last shell.
2: I have two more. Oh, okay. So I'm like, 200 yards. This is perfect i find him he's not moving he's laying down i'm in there i'm solid i dial it into 24 it's i mean all i can see is his body (laughs) you know like i can't see anything else in my scope put it behind take my breath steady squeeze the trigger boom look up he stands up runs away I'm like what is going on and like at this point I can see that his back end is bloody. He's got a a spot where I hit him up in the top of the back too. So, what are
1: you thinking? Like, is my gun on? Is this like... Are you thinking that yet? I,
2: I'm starting. I'm starting to like second guess. Like, is my gun off? Am I? I didn't feel like I didn't feel (laughs) that nervous, especially on you know that shot right there where lay down two hundred yards he's not moving. like he wasn't moving he was laying there he's hurting honestly the, th- the biggest thing that was going through my head is like i don't want him to suffer anymore i just i want this to be over i want i just want it to be i want it to be done i want him to yep. be done suffering so we go over to that spot we're blood we go back up and down another couple little drainages and we bump him one more time up Another little drainage, didn't get a shot at him this time. He kind of goes over the top, and we get to that spot and can see where he kind of walked down. And it's a this drainage was like scrub oak on the side that we were on, and then it was pretty open on the other side, marsh grass in the bottom. And Bud's like, you stay up here, get ready. I'll walk down, cut his tracks, and see. He's like, if you get a shot down there, then, you know, whatever. So I'm sitting there with my gun on my shooting stick. I have one bullet left at this point my mom is standing next to me i'm like i hate this i i just want this to be done i want him to be done suffering i'm like i don't know what the hell is going on like this is almost embarrassing (laughs) and we're standing there and she's like there he is keegan and sure enough he's walking just slow walking now in the bottom i get my gun it's on the shooting stick i you know put it on him he's these last three shots were all him walking away from me i put it right between his shoulders go back a little bit so i'm aiming at the top of the back i shoot and again drops like drops and can hear butt at the bottom go that one did it <laughs> <laughs> like yeah like <laughs> he said Bodies, that
1: his moral three, <laughs> three times now that one did it <laughs>
2: and i'm like Really and my mom's like I think that I think that one really truly did it and uh, I sit there for a second I could see this time you know because it's just marsh grass some small little bushes that um, where he fell and I look and I can see him still laying there I'm like thank head down thank the Lord yes you know like done me and my mom go walking out of ammo out of ammo I had no more ammo left last shot um me and my mom go walking down there bud's standing 20 25 yards from him we get about 50 yards from bud and i'm like is he dead this time like done and he's like well he's still breathing but he's he's not going anywhere like okay so we get up there get to where bud was start walking up to him we get 10 yards from him and he stands up and starts walking away like
0: what like if I had to hell?
2: <laughs> if I had to run him down, I bet I could have and like grabbed him that's the pace that he was walking but yeah stood up walked another hundred and fifty like he's just walking away from us and I'm like this is unbelievable and so I grabbed my mom's gun at this point we get up to forty yards he's like tripping over himself it's again i I hate to see that and that at that point I was like I don't wanna watch this anymore and you know bud's like well he's he's gonna die and i'm like i i don't care about the meat at this point i just want the suffering to be over with um so 40 yards i shoot him my mom's six five and he finally expires
1: oh my god i hit
2: him five times out of seven wow the the, so
1: where was where what was the best shot location like did you hit him with that first one, like right behind the shoulder?
2: The Yep. So the first one was a, maybe a, a little bit high, but up and behind the shoulder. So okay. I I think it was still lungs, but a really high lung. Um, <laughs> My second shot, what I figure at this point, I hit him in the ear, which when I got up to it, I look at it, I'm like, I'm lucky I didn't shoot his antlers, but I hit him directly – at the base of the ear which you think about Holy that cow. would drop a deer and make him, you know, yeah, like a headache or whatever to shock him. I hit him in the butt, I hit him in the spine, I hit him the last shot that finally killed him was another one that was in the top of the spine down through came out the front. And then the last shot was like blew up his heart. So, yeah, I mean he had two shots in the spine. Two in, the, two in the top lungs or shoulder and one in the ass.
1: <laughs> so, obviously, something was wrong with the
0: scope and or the, the gun.
2: Yeah. I, I Well, that's, I mean, I was like, well, I'm going to get home and shoot this thing because that, I just couldn't believe. After the 200-yard shot where I'm laying prone, that is when I was like, okay, I really think something's wrong with my gun at this point. Yep. So... Which, come to find out, as I'm packing my gun for the end of it, I kind of, I'm you know, wiping stuff off of it, and I feel movement, and I'm like, is, is that my bolt? So, I pop my bolt out, and it's not my bolt. Here, my Picatinny reel is loose. So, one of the guys that was there is actually a gunsmith, and I ended up get, sending my gun home with him, and he took it, a, like, pulled it apart and he's like all four of your screws on your picatin rail are loose jeez so yeah i mean i don't know how that happens he's like i don't whoever mounted it you know obviously didn't use loctite you need you gotta do that um but he's like it's a miracle that you hit the deer (laughs) wow so
1: that's crazy so when you walked up to him i mean obviously a range of emotions are oh yeah you know you just ring seven off in this valley and dishragged him a couple of times and now finally, you know, the suffering's over. But like, what, what are your thoughts when you walked up on him?
2: I, I mean, it was exactly that. I was thankful that it was finally over. I I, honestly, as we're going up and down these little valleys or drainages, I near the end of it, I'm starting to be like, we're not going to get this deer. Right thinking it's not going to happen and knowing that I've hit him multiple times was such a shitty feeling and then to have him finally be down you know to just take a, f- a couple deep breaths and feel like it's over he's done suffering i'm like my mom is there she's super excited for me i have just done like you said the roller coaster of emotions and it's finally over it was such a breath of fresh air to just Jeez. it was a relief <laughs> and then see how big he was when i walk up to him like so how oh big my. was he again I, I don't i haven't scored him but he's big like
1: 150s 160s
2: i don't know <laughs> 150 yeah probably 150 at least 150s 160s.
1: i mean from the picture that i saw it i would say at least
2: 150s yeah he's i mean super tall super wide just long tines long g2s or fort deep forks is something that they were all really impressed with deep forks they don't have uh, they don't have a lot of them don't have brow tines mine doesn't they call my guards there mine didn't have eye guards but you use a four by four impressive we'll, we'll have to i'll have to score them we'll have to score them when i get them back yeah but. you
1: should so okay so I don't mean to, like, buzz through your mom's stuff, but I want to get to the data part of it. But, yeah. like, so what happened to your mom and the rest of the hunt? Yeah,
2: I'll make that really short. My mom killed an awesome bull that evening, actually, <laughs> which was crazy hunt, too. But she shot him right as it was getting dark out. We ended up finding him as light was fading. It started snowing that night. I mean, just super cool. We ended. Up, it ended up being, like, us and four guides on the hill breaking them down, packing them out. So that's awesome. Yeah, it was, I mean... So cool, my mom. She was absolutely out of her mind, and I think she, I mean she shot either the biggest or second biggest bull in camp.
1: So. Oh, that's awesome!
2: And yeah, absolute stud. So that's great. Yeah, and it just I mean to cap it where we both, you know, shoot and kill on the same day was like, again, couldn't you couldn't make up a better story?
1: Something so. you guys will never forget, that's for sure. Yeah, never. So. Getting to your collar, deer. Mm-hmm. What, what 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 did you do next? Did you call it in? You know, did you get any data from it? Like, what happened?
2: Yep. So they, I took a picture on the collar. It has a thing that says, you know, if found, please call this number. Or return. So it's the Colorado Parks and Wildlife, um, and then it has like the identifier for the collar. So I call the number. Uh, they tell me to leave the collar with the outfitter. Uh, they give me the the contact information for the biologist and i call him and talk to him and he's like oh that's you know that's awesome i actually know this deer um he said we tagged it last year in january of 2019 um he's like i have a lot of you know some good information on that deer i'll send it all to you so exchange email addresses he sends me a photo of the deer when they um
1: when, they collared, when they
2: collared it which was really cool. Yep. Um he sends me a map that showed where they collared it, where it summered, where it wintered uh and he said they figured that when they collared it it was already 10 and a half years old.
1: Holy shit.
2: Yeah, which I don't know. I didn't I guess I didn't know that mule deer lived wow to be that old
1: i did not know that he was that old so he was 11 when you shot him
2: yeah 11 and a half when i shot him yeah which is pretty incredible um yeah so i mean they gave me the map that was that was another part that's super interesting is like from where they captured him slash where i killed him um he wintered 15 miles to the southwest
1: so he was he was wintering, he would travel 15 miles to winter from where you where he was collared.
2: Yes. Wow. And then where he summered was about 5 miles south of where I killed him. So you know, he he traveled 15 miles southwest and then he would travel probably whatever it would be 15 miles almost straight east and then 5 miles north during the, So did his the fall data village.
1: report look like a big triangle? Yeah, I
2: basically. mean, it looked like a it looked like a right triangle that has a really long bottom and a really long hypotenuse and a really short, you know, the your right side there. Yep. Yep. So, yep.
1: Wow, that's crazy. I mean did did you talk to him at all about like is that common for mule deer to travel that far to winter into summer?
2: He he said a lot of deer that they collar out there will travel at least 10 miles to a to a wintering range unless so deer and elk have areas corridors or whatever where they will winter so they'll be in like elk will be in groups of hundreds of thousands during the winter and mule deer will be in similar situations so unless there's that's like where they live like they don't travel after the winter they're going to travel for I mean he said it could be even more than that, which really was yeah wow. pretty crazy.
1: That is nuts, man. But
2: I'm still still in contact with him. Um I'd like to see if there if I can get more information, like a you know a ping map where it pings, you know, like you and I were kind of talking where it pings every time.
1: Yeah, Michael Waddell shot a buck back in the day in Kansas on his lease that it was a collared whitetail and when he it's on youtube if you go look at it it's pretty cool but it shows like every so often the collar would ping and it would show you where he wintered where he summered where he falled and then it had like a whole bunch of does that they had collared in the same area Mm. and where they were wintering and summering so it's like really cool data
2: that see and that's what i would like i i would just like to have a couple more data points you know where it's even a few more right now it's just summer winter fall yeah and capture so but yeah i I mean i'd like to just that was that was one of the coolest parts for me is like shooting a collared buck yeah it's a collared buck so it's you know obviously it's just cool i'm still gonna i'm trying working with him and actually the company that makes the collars i want to get an old collar replica to they won't
1: give you that one
2: I asked him and he said they don't have that in their budget anymore. I guess the tracking mechanism that's in it is like six dollars to $8,000. Oh, so he's sure. He's like, unfortunately, <laughs> we, can't give you, we can't give you this one. But, okay. Um. Yeah, so I'm going to do that to, you know, whether to put it on the mount or just to keep it nearby. I was going to say, are you going
1: to mount them with it on there or no?
2: I think it would be really cool to do, but either way it would just be really cool to have yeah. that as kind of a little something to to remember it by A souvenir yeah, yeah yeah for sure so
1: that's cool man
2: yeah it was uh it was uh unforgettable trip that's for sure
1: well that's yeah that's pretty sweet and to do it with your mom and both of you to kill on the same day and have an experience like that is, is one for the books
2: yeah it's uh we <laughs> you know like that when we had lunch that day after the meal deer we we're already riding a high and then to go out that evening and just punch one more, like, honestly, we didn't get back to camp until 11, 1130 that night, probably, you know, after packing her elk out and whatever, but like couldn't have been happier. That's as we awesome. were sitting there in the dark getting snowed on by a headlamp, you know, breaking down an elk. It was, it was awesome. That's cool. Yeah.
1: Well, sweet, man. I think we're going to wrap it right there sweet we got about two hours left in this drive i cannot wait to be home <laughs> <laughs>
2: me either
1: yeah well sweet thank you very much for coming on and doing this i know you got to ride with me for 13 hours so i said why not let's 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 bullshit about this so yeah
2: thanks for letting me come on and talk about it it's it's pretty cool
1: yeah definitely And thank you to everybody out there that listens to the podcast. Thank you for all the support and the downloads. If you could, please go to iTunes, leave a five-star rating, and leave a review. That would be greatly appreciated. Um, And that's all I got for this week. So thank you guys very much, and we will talk to you next week.